Welcome everyone to The Catalyst, a platform I created to host conversations with people I find deeply inspiring and interesting, and today's guest is no different. First, thank you so much to the ever-amazing and ever-insightful Shallon Lester, YouTuber, author, and 21st century Carrie Bradshaw for joining me today here on The Catalyst. I know you're an incredibly busy woman, so I'm genuinely honored that you are here. No, I'm so honored. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yes, thank you. And I actually took your nickname, the 21st Carrie Bradshaw, or the 21st century Carrie Bradshaw, from your Penguin Random House uh, author bio. Oh, Lord, I haven't looked at that in so long. I can't even imagine. I love it. I love it. I discovered a YouTube channel and I fell in love. I said, this woman is the real deal. And I, in like my search and in my Google search, I found so much things about you, but I think that it's always better. (laughs) They're all positive. And I think that it's always better to get people's story from, you know, themselves. So before we get into what will hopefully be the meat of the conversation, which is this incredible thing you're doing on YouTube, I would love it if you could walk us through your journey, right? So like, how does one get their own MTV reality TV show? How does one become a published author? And how does one become a very successful YouTuber? All in one lifetime, I'm bad. (laughs) I know, right? And I'm not, I'm not done yet. I wonder what my next iteration is going to be. Um, so I grew up in Southern California and I went to Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo up there. And it was a very, it's a good school, but it's in the middle of the country. Like had I done a little bit more deep thinking in high school and really understood what I wanted to be when I grew up, which was a writer at the time. I mean, YouTuber kind of didn't even exist yet. Like I wanted to be a writer and I would have picked a different college. I would have gone someplace where I had more internship opportunities, a big city, magazines, publishing, and Cal Poly was not that. So I really had to kind of like stretch in order to get those like those self-actualization needs met. So I ended up doing a lot of really diverse things and they all actually paid off later on in my career. Like even Army ROTC, I did that for two years, kind of just for fun. Like that's given me a really sort of strategic mentality in terms of approaching relationships, corporate America, all that stuff. And I also wrote for the paper there. So I wrote like the little sort of like dating and sex column up there called Sex in San Luis. And then after I graduated college humor, <clears throat> I applied there and I wrote for them. And they're like, we want you to move to New York because I was living at home. And I was a waitress after college, as so many of us do. It's completely fine. It's completely fine. And they're like, we want you to move to New York and write a book for us, like a post-college guide to life. Like the hell did I know? I mean, who's asking me? I was the blind leading the blind. But I was like, okay. <laughs> so I packed a suitcase and I was like, I'll be back in three months, you guys. Like and I just, I didn't even know what I didn't know about New York City. So I moved here and they paired me up with one of their other writers, a girl named Julie. And we tried to get a book deal and that that kind of collapsed, but we ended up making friends with some people at Random House during that process. And we basically stalked them. Well, Julie stalked them. She would like literally follow one of them into Starbucks and like accidentally run into her on purpose and be like, oh, Corinne, oh my gosh, it's crazy to see. You know, we've been working on a book proposal. So stalking sometimes goes right. If you, uh, if you do it right, it can actually lead to great career things. And so we wrote, so we asked the editor there, we're like, we'll write anything you pay us to write. Like we are totally idea agnostic. And she's like, well, the big pops are erotica, vampires, and teen fiction. She's like bonus points. If you can do an erotic teen vampire fiction book. And I was like, well, we'll just do teen fiction. So we ended up writing a teen fiction book it was very gossip girl-esque. It was called Hot Mess. And we got that book deal. I was like 23 at the time, I think, and it came out when I was 24. And then 
I started writing, like I was in New York and I stayed there and I was a waitress and I was like interning for magazines. And I finally got like an editor job for a men's magazine. And then from there I went to the New York daily news and I was writing gossip. And one of the girls at the daily news had a friend who worked for MTV and they were looking to make a real life sex in the city. And I was like, always in and out of the office in like party dresses and ball gowns. I was going to galas. I was going to after parties, fashion week, clubs and hanging out with people. And, and I was kind of becoming like a girl about town on my own. And so she introduced me to her producer friend and they liked me and they liked my group of friends. And a year later we were shooting, they put us on a fast track to make the show. It was called downtown girls. And we were on between the Hills and the city nights. <laughs> and it was supposed to be a real life sex in the city, but it was actually like all sex. I'm sorry. No, it was all city. Not much sex. It was a little bit boring. Like it was just not executed the way I would have done it. But you know, you get a show on MTV and it really is, it's theirs. Like they, they're the big death star. Like you don't go against them. So it was a cool experience, but it was kind of a frustrating experience. So that show came out in like 2011, 2010. And we only had it for one season, but in between, I wrote my second book. I wrote X's and O's. That's like kind of a memoir collection of my life and funny dating stories. And from there after, um, X's, sorry, after downtown girls, like I went through a period of mourning. I was really, really depressed that the show was only on one season. MTV had told me I was going to be the next Lauren Conrad. Like I had really engineered my whole life around the show. And so it was like, okay, what's next? So I ended up running Star Magazine for a really long time. I wrote for Glamour before that. And then I left Star in January and went pro on YouTube. And I had started this YouTube channel when the show came out, like kind of after that, because girls were like messaging me and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm having the same problem with guys that you are. Like you're like the Carrie Bradshaw and blah, blah, blah. So I was interfacing a lot with girls going through the same kind of thing. And so I was like, this is just going to be easier to galvanize into one channel. And at some point during all of this, Howcast, uh, which is a YouTube channel and a website, they called me up and they they do like how-to videos on everything from like how to change a tire, how to tie a bow tie, how to bathe a cat, whatever. And they wanted me to do a series on kissing, like kissing tutorials. And they're like, yeah, you know, we'll have a male model and a female model and you instruct them. And me being like, you know, <laughs> the red-blooded American girl that I am, I'm like, no, 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 I will be the one making out with the male models. So, Love that. It was Love a, that. Yeah, it was a really fun casting process. It was a really fun day at work. We made like 30 kissing videos in one day. I was like blacked out wasted by the end of it. And it was great. Michael Blaustein was my co-star. He's a really funny comedian. Like he's so hot. He's so cute. Look him up. And so those videos went like super duper viral, like 35, 40 million views each. And I was oh like, my okay. goodness, that's crazy. yeah, I know it's, it's crazy. So then I'm like, all right. So this channel of mine like has some legs. So YouTube was always kind of like the big dream, but I was really afraid to go after it. You know, it's so risky. YouTube and that whole influencer space is really like the wild west. Like it changes constantly. There's no boss down the hallway. You know, there's no professor, there's no class. It's just like, you're really feeling your way through the dark and like, for good and bad, like you can kind of make your own rules and there's no one to answer to, but then there's no one to help you. So when, when I left star in January, it was a big, big risk, big leap. But the next month, like my earnings, I mean, went from like $200 a month to like 6,000. So I was like, okay, 
this is like a sign that I'm on the right track and that I can do this. And then a month after that, like this management company, Studio 771, they're like the CAA, the William Morris of YouTubers. Like they they found me because my channel hit 100,000. And so since then, things have really taken off. So I just, I really believe in like taking that leap and knowing what you're capable of and knowing that the universe is going to meet you halfway on that. I love that. I love that. And I love that at every point and at every intersection, you hadn't necessarily like planned it out. Cause I know that's something right. I struggle with is like having a detailed plan A to Z of what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do and where I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And for you, not only serendipitous, but also fruitful and you were just ready. And I'm yeah. sure it was Oprah or someone of equal stature that said that like, you know, isn't it like opportunity is like when luck meets like preparation or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And I think you're very much the physical embodiment of that. And I'm reminded of one of your YouTube videos. And I like I love your YouTube videos. I write and die for YouTube videos. You're, you're a very quotable person. And I remember you said that, like, interesting people have interests, right? Yeah. And I just, I was just like, oh, my gosh, she gets it. How have I not thought of that? Mm-hmm. And so I think my next question for you is that, when we're trying to do all these things, I think sometimes what can escape us are just hobbies or just doing things that aren't for like monetary gain yeah. or aren't for status, but things that are just like fruitful. And I'm also reminded of the fact that like in this world, we should try to be as dynamic as possible because the world mm-hmm. is dynamic and it's ever changing. And so my next question to you is how do people become more interesting, right? Like how do we not only develop ourselves in terms of our character development, but how do we also go after those interests if we've only ever done one thing for a vast majority of our life? That's a really good point. And you make a good point about monetizing your hobbies. And it's like, that's such a culture right now. It's such a pop. It's like, why don't you have an Etsy? Oh my gosh, you make these cute things or you should put this on your Instagram. It's like, and you know, this is a good mentality to have because yeah, like we all should be coming up with different revenue streams and side hustles because corporate America sucks a lot of the time. And there is zero loyalty to you as an employee, zero. So take all your vacation days, people. But like there, yeah, there reaches a tipping point where it's like, I don't do anything for fun, you know? And a guy was asking me, they're like, what are your hobbies? I was like, I don't know. I've monetized them all. None of them are hobbies anymore. They're all work. So I think the way to get hobbies is to allow yourself to get a little bit bored, like build in boredom. And what I always go back to is the perfect nine-year-old day. Like this is sort of my, my prescription. Like think about what your perfect day was when you were nine years old or 11 or somewhere around that age. Was it you were baking? You were going to a museum and looking at bugs? Were you ice skating? Were you playing with your dog and throwing at a birthday party? And then like allow yourself a day or even a few hours to be that nine-year-old again and just do something that's purely indulgent, whether it's dorky or nerdy or silly or embarrassing or whatever it is. And then see if like, and tap into that feeling because that's going to make you light up inside. And then you're going to start to look around your life and be like, okay, I can see other ways to give myself this feeling. Maybe I'm going to volunteer at an animal shelter now because I had so much fun on like my nine-year-old dorky dog day. And then like you can, you're going to be more okay with not monetizing things and taking steps away from your like plan, you know, taking a break because you're going to be so in tune with how you feel when you do it. Incredible. That in tune as, and I say incredible a lot because like, honestly, everything (laughs) you 
is incredible. And all the guests I have for the catalyst are usually incredible people, which is like always so funny when they say yes. That's always because I have a lot of like guts because I will just email random people, like incredibly influential people like, hey, I do this thing. <laughs> would love for you to come. I mean, people are like, sure. Like literally as long as I don't have to be on camera and be in like full hair and makeup, I'm like, great. Sure. We'll talk all day. I don't care. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And and I love your talking because that's really the niche like you've created for yourself. And I find I find it so incredible because no one is doing what you're doing. Right. <laughs> yeah like there are a lot of people on youtube you know mm-hmm. doing there are a lot of people on youtube doing outfits there are a lot of people on youtube doing DIY. there are a lot of people on youtube just like i don't know philosophizing or teaching yeah but what i love about you is that you have this like high level if not harvard level analysis to celebrities right so you dichotomize like a very serious like mental structure with like the greatness and mess that is our or that are celebrities and then you present to your audience very tangible takeaways that are not only easy to follow but also easy to implement mm-hmm. and as someone that's like very much in love with pop culture but also loves like you know those hard truths and like i love i love it so much and back your quotable moments I remember you said people with high esteem do esteemable things yeah 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 that was a good one yeah uh, it reminded me of when I interviewed Dean Carano right I'm pretty sure I mentioned this earlier and Mm -hmm. you said you really got to focus on experiences not obituaries or you got to focus on experiences and not resume building right he was like you got to do things for the experience and not just because it looked good on a resume and I think in college it's like really tough especially if you're trying to get a job after college especially if you're worried about employability um and so I think my next question to you is how do we develop ourselves right so like outside of our interests outside of allowing ourselves to be bored as people how do we develop ourselves right is it just putting ourselves forward and allowing ourselves to be hurt or to being a little more strategic and reading you know the right literature in terms of psychology or like listening to people like you who have gone through things and have advice like how how can we just be better people and more self-esteem well definitely listen to me yes step number one your internet big sis but yeah I think like I think your generation has just been set up for so much hardship because like the economy is tough. Life is tough. You guys are so hyper aware of everything that's going on, not in the country, but the world and the climate. And there's so much anxiety. And you have the added layer of like how everything looks on social media. It's like your stress balls, but it has to look like amazing. You're having so much fun. It's the best years of your life. Like it's not like it's okay. I think step number one is to be okay with not being okay. Not everything has to look perfect. Like, right. My Instagram kind of does because I'm a brand, but that's different, you know? And, but even then, like, I'm not like, ah, everything's wonderful. Like I'm like weird and emo sometimes, but like just internally get okay with not having every single answer to every single question. Like, like it's a development. Life is a journey. And I know in college, there's such a focus on, yeah, employability, but like a job is like not the end of your road. It's, it's like, you don't, think that about getting married, right? You acknowledge that like, that's a stupid goal to chase if that's your only goal in life. I just have to get married. It's like, well, there's something beyond I do. Like there's a whole other thing that starts. And same with the job. Like, okay, you land, say you land your dream position. Life is not sunshine and puppy dogs. Like everything you stress about now is going to shift either into other stressors, post-employable situation, or you're, it's not going to complete your self-esteem. So you're right. Like, 
you really have to develop that self. I think it's, yeah, it's a huge part of developing yourself is giving back to others. It really, really, I bang on about this all the time. I really do. And I love it. I love it. I love it. And I think another quotable thing you said is you were just like, imagine if each and every single Kardashian, including the Jenners, asked all of their followers, all like, what, a hundred million of them to donate one dollar. And then they they could eradicate a disease. They could they could fix a social issue every year. They could eradicate a social issue every six months if they wanted to. Imagine that. Incredible. It's like people who want to be influencers. It's like, well, what are you using your influence for? You know, mm-hmm. like I'm trying to, I'm trying to like actually use mine beyond like, use this eyeshadow palette. It's like, right. I want to do something important. And like, we can all be influential in our surroundings and like giving back to others gets you out of your head. It gets you out of your anxiety. If I have to hear the word anxiety, one more goddamn time from my followers. It's like anxiety is perceived helplessness plus self-absorption. That's what it is. Right. Like this is everything's going to happen and it's going to happen to me. It's like, literally it's not. So the way to step out of this is to like go to a new soup kitchen, make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and ride around on your bike and give them out. I used to do that in college when I was like bored and anxious and I hated it there. And it's just going to give you a little bit of perspective. I also think travel is super, super important. Like I have, I really think I have like any sort of depth <laughs> is like owed to the fact that my mother took me to third world countries like twice a year when I was a child. Like I've been to parts of Africa and, you know, the Amazon and blah, blah, blah. And you just, you get out of yourself and you see things from such a different perspective, not just see it, but you experience it. And so, yeah, you know, you can't, you can't act like you need to have it all together because you absolutely don't. These are truly not like the best years of your life. I mean, they can be, like that sucks, but these could be growth points and growth is often painful. Oh, it absolutely is. And it reminds me of my freshman year, just literally the transition from Conifer, Colorado to mm. Cambridge, Massachusetts, public high school to esteemed ivy league institution someone should have told me i was gonna like face some shit and (laughs) like it was so hard it was so hard and i was just so so sad but now sitting here as a sophomore living essentially a much better life than i did last year and last semester i'm just reminded again it's like it's that time in which you are so pained and you're going through so much stuff that like you said you get out of your self-absorption you get out of your head, you help people, you put yourself, you like, you don't like try to opt out of it. You have to go through the pain, right? Because it's the pain that makes you interesting, right? It really is. Yeah. It re- like when I, the reason I'm interesting now is because I didn't enjoy college. And like I said, like Cal Poly was boring. It was a great school. It was beautiful, but it was very conservative. It was like an agriculture cowboy school. And like now after like 10 years in New York, I would love to just go chill out in the country for a while. But like, At the time, I was so bored. And so I had to throw myself into all these weird things like theater and belly dance and, you know, all this rodeo and blah, blah, blah. And it's like now I have a lot of really varied interests and I'm the most interesting girl at the party. I'm not the the thinnest or the tallest, but I am interesting. And like, I'll take you, man. I, I love that. And in your videos, you always mention like, you guys, like you guys, I go to parties and I'm telling you the girl sitting next to me, it's not some random sorority girl that's intimidating like a supermodel yeah it's bella hadid who i have to like make chit chat with it's emily ratajkowski and it's like oh you think you feel insecure walking into a party try switching like i feel like a potato but it's like i 
I have such an inventory that I'm constantly adding to of my gifts and my traits and my experience and what I bring to the table that like I can call on it so rapidly now. Like it's become muscle memory. It's like, no, I wrote a book. Bella Hadid hasn't written a book. Like I give really good advice to people. Maybe Emily Ratajkowski does too, but that's not what she's known for and blah, blah, blah. You know, And it's not about like shutting them down or minimizing them, but it's like we all have our own lane and I am very aware of mine. And I love your lane. I love your lane. Again, like I said, no one on YouTube is doing what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I just, working at Star for so long, like you think about celebrities constantly and it's like, it kind of wears on you because you're like, I'm such a loser that I know so much about Kylie Jenner. But it's like, well, what can I do with this well of knowledge that's going to advance some consciousness and make people better or just give me a little bit of mental stimulation. So it's like, I started in my mind kind of breaking down these people from a psychological point of view. And then I'm like, Oh, other people actually could benefit from this. And we could like, you know, tap into this bottomless need for pop culture news and keep people on this channel a little bit longer than just like, here's the tea guys. Like we could like get something from it so that these people aren't just these like vapid creatures, jellyfishing around society. They're teaching us things. These are teachable moments. Right. Teachable, teachable moments. We love those. Mm -hmm. And do you think that your interest in psychology is what really pivoted your niche or did you already have that interest prior to working at star? Did you develop it while working at star? I always had it. I minored in psychology and like, I just, I love it. I'm sort of like the advice person in my group of friends, <clears throat> but I was like too lazy to become an actual doctor. And I just didn't want to hear people talk all day long. <laughs> but when I started making that the focus of the videos, like the first video that kind of blew up was like my breakdown of Jordan Woods <clears throat> and her red table talk after the Kylie Tristan, or I'm sorry, the Chloe Tristan scandal. And I was like, that girl is lying. Like I know how to spot a liar and she's lying. And so I did a video breaking it down and it went, it did really well in terms of traffic. And I was like, oh, people care about this sort of psychological hook. And I think people are hungry. They're spiritually and like mentally hungry for something of substance, you know? Yeah, no, it's that substance that I think just makes me come back to your channel and all the videos you do on like how to be confident and mm -hmm. just like how again how to develop that core that core that'll sustain it that if you walk into a party and you just have supermodels around you you're mm -hmm. not like oh I'm not anything because all of these women have covered Vogue it's like oh no I'm something I'm something like, right right I'm something and I think that's like the point in which we all have to start is I am something and mm -hmm. once you get past that, it's like, why am I something? Mm -hmm. And once you get past that, it's like, you're good, right? You can like, right. you can do anything. You can be anything. You're okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, our, our moms and society teaches us, it's like, you're, you're great. You're special. And it's like, you're, you said it exactly right. Like, why? What, why am I great? And you have to be able to answer that question internally. Otherwise, all you have is this sort of hollowness, this Trumpian inflated, like, bad attitude and that's going to lead you to try to cut other people down because you you were just sound and fury you know and so right. you have to answer that question for yourself and it isn't something that other people can fill for you like you have to be your own white knight riding in and saving yourself no one is coming to save you from yourself not a husband not a job not a parent like it's got to come from within Absolutely. And you talk a lot about being like a pack builder, mm -hmm. right? And that's what makes you alpha. It's like you're mm -hmm. a pack builder. Like you're not only concerned with bettering yourself, but you're concerned with bettering others. Yeah. And, I, and I'm just reminded of a Dr. King said a quote, right? He said that 
life's most urgent and pressing question is what are you doing for others it's oh it's such a good quote I said in my high school graduation speech I have said it random times to random people (laughs) but it's like because it stuck with me because every day I ask myself like what am I doing right I I go to an Ivy League school I'm studying Mm -hmm. what I want to study and I want this career in finance and consulting or etc etc but it's like throughout all of that what are you doing besides Mm -hmm. just trying to make yourself comfortable right right because then once you do, you're gonna you're still gonna be left with those questions. It's like, what is my legacy? Like right. what, what am I doing here on planet? Okay, I've got money, I've got the Chanel bag, like what now? Like I don't right. and that's the difference, you know, you see someone like Kylie Jenner, it's like she gives off that air of like what's next? It's like she there's a hollowness there because it's like, well, what is your legacy? What are you doing? Right. No, legacy is a fascinating question. And so I'm from Douala, Cameroon, right? Ooh. So born in the third world. Grew up relatively in the third world. And then my mother immigrated to the United States. My mom's a beast, right? I always say that my mom is my backbone and my dad is my heart. Cause like, <laughs> yeah, because like all of my work ethic, all of my determination, it's that immigrant spirit. And I get it from my mother. Totally. Because she's been going to school. It's on this Ivan in school. She's about to finish her PhD with her second master's. Like she's a beast, what? right? I, I know. It's crazy because they didn't accept her math. Like they didn't accept her degrees when she came here. <gasps> I know. I, I know. So mad. I'd be like, I'm never learning any anything again I'm not learning how to use my Apple TV screw you guys I have learned you won't accept it I'm done I know know. and it's so crazy because it was so discriminatory it's like no 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 I have these degrees they just come from a particular country that isn't on anyone's radar but it's like even her not giving up and her just like going to school and her always telling me listen you got to be independent you got to go after your own thing education is incredibly important I remember I was on a phone call with her like last year and I was like you know I don't know if I want to go to law school anymore she said no 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 I have a master's you have a master's you know what I mean you don't have to go to law school Audrey no you don't (laughs) I don't have to I don't have to but again it's like it's like you have these models of inspiration and mm-hmm. you want to emulate them. And I think that it's really important, especially if you are a fan of pop culture, is to enjoy for what it is, but not enjoy for what it's not, right? So like Hygiene is an excellent example. She's mm-hmm. gorgeous, right? But it's incredibly artificial. Mm-hmm. Right? And at the same time, you can enjoy her for what she is. Mm-hmm. But to idolize her, I remember you also talk about like how you should be your own prototype and you should never be a derivative of someone else, right? That's like so you should true. never be a, de- like someone should not be able to look and be like, oh, she's trying to be Kylie or she's trying to be like right. Kendall or she's trying to be et cetera, et cetera. You got to be like your own individual person. It's and so I true. Think- Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And everything you've said about, you know, as, like people with high self-esteem do esteemable things, interesting people have interests. It's getting at that core, you know, and it's working on yourself. And you've done like a wonderful job again. I love you, you too. You've done a wonderful job of giving these like bite-sized advice. It's just so tangible and it's just so easy to follow. Thank I love you. it. I hope so. I mean, I know that therapy, everyone should be in therapy, just like everyone should be at the chiropractor and the dentist, you know, like these are crucial aspects of our being, but it's like therapy takes a really long time, you know? And it's like, sometimes you just want advice without having to spill your entire life story. And <laughs> you just want to like that distilled thing. I mean, we've got a short attention span in our generation. Like we need to kind of just like cut to the chase. We got things to do. Right. And cutting to the chase is that that's something that I've seen in college, particularly at Harvard, is like everyone's so busy. And I think sometimes it's like artificial business. I think sometimes people just want to like they love being busy. I don't love being yeah. busy. I it's love the idea of Right, right, right. I love the idea of going back to sleep. <laughs> like every time I wake I'm just like, Oh my god, all the things I have to do, when will I get back? But I think probably what will be my final question to you 
is how do we make more time for each other, right? Mm. After we've worked on ourselves, after we've established this core, after we've made ourselves more interesting people, right? After we've devoted a lot of time to ourselves, how can we then devote appropriate and tangible time to other people? I think it kind of comes back to stop focusing on how something looks and focus on how it feels. Like when I was at Star, I was going to like five events a week, like events, full hair, makeup, red carpet, blah, blah, blah. And I realized like I wasn't like my friendships were kind of suffering, you know, like we would go, I would bring them to these things, but like I was taking pictures and I was making small talk and it was like kind of weak interface with my friends. Like it wasn't quality, quality time. Like I was seeing them, but it's like, if they were having a problem, there was so much outside stimulation. I couldn't, you know, just like sit there and hear and listen. And one of my like old friends from college, she just said like in passing, she's like, would you go to these things if you couldn't post them on your Instagram? And I was like, oh my God, like it was so like attacked. And I'm like, no, no, I wouldn't. I mean, some of them, but like, no, like, and I was realizing I was starting to look at life through an Instagram lens. Like I'm going to go to this because they're going to have this flower wall and the aesthetic is going to be perfect. And it's going to be a great picture. Who gives a shit that it's a $40 cab ride away and I'm exhausted and I haven't like eaten it. It's like, it was optics over everything. Mm. And when I, when I switched to this YouTube life, I stopped going to events as much. Like I don't have time and I don't like, I'm not kind of in that same crowd anymore. And there was a huge identity shift for me, but I noticed my relationships got so much better because now when I was seeing someone, it was completely intentional. It was time I had carved out for them. They weren't coming second to something else. So it's like, if we can dial back, like, it's like, we can, we can go to brunch with a friend and just make it about them. You know, like let's have like a phone free afternoon or not. That's kind of unrealistic. I get it. But if we stop trying to look at like how things look and truly how they feel, I think it will make us let different people into our lives. And I don't mean just how it looks on social media. I mean, how it looks like in society. Like we all have friends who just drain us. They, they, they always have a crisis. They never care about what's going on with us. If you go out with them, it's two hours of them talking. You don't get a word in. And it's like, we have the right to cut that person off, no matter how that might look to the rest of the group or to our parents or to society or whatever. We have to focus on how something feels. Time is our non-renewable resource. And energy, to a large degree, is also that. We think that we can just make more energy. I've got Adderall. I've got Red Bull. Animals know that that's not true. Animals know that they have a certain amount of energy and they rest and then they use their energy for the things they need to and then they rest again. And we as humans were like, no, grind culture, rise and grind. I've been up since four. I've been up since two, blah, blah, blah. Like it's a competition, you know? And so like you were saying, like you're into going back to bed. And so rest is very disruptive to the patriarchy because- Love that. Love anything disruptive to the patriarchy. Oh, I love it. You know, it's disruptive to capitalism. Like you want people working all the time. You want that. That's a slave mentality, you know? And that spills out into our friendships that like, if we allow ourselves the room to rest and the room to weed out people who don't contribute to a restful feeling inside of us, we have very different relationships. Like look at fuck boys, you know, they are not restful. They are eroding us. And if we are, if we approach our life and like, what is giving me rest, either like from a soul point of view or a logistical point of view, we're going to have very different interactions and we're going to have better ones.
I I'm just you have taken me to church like you're <laughs> so so quotable so tangible like and so relatable and Shall I think like honestly like that is like the number one thing to life is like you have to be able to relate to people right yeah. like I have this friend and I can what I love about him is that I can put him in a room with anyone regardless of where they come from regardless of what they do he mm-hmm. can relate to them because that's just that's just who he is yeah. and I think I very much feel like you're the same way and I think that what you said about you know you gotta like seek people who feel like rest right you're yeah. not constantly straining yourself and also what you said about I have the right to cut this person off absolutely if they're just draining me because I can and I think like inversely to that we have to recognize where that when we're that person because I've definitely been that person we've all been that person right and and that happens in friendship you know you have those peaks and valleys where it's like you're in a crisis of course and it might be two weeks of a crisis fully but if this is like the chronic construct nah we don't we don't like chronic construct we don't like chronic anything no we don't like chronic anything no like like life is like in cycles and you just gotta like go with it the ebbs and the flows the peaks and the valleys it's so true and we don't think of it that way you know and it's like when i was telling you about my career like every step of the way there was a failure you know every step of the way there was like something i didn't get a moment where i was like ha i can't do this this isn't gonna work and but that's the cycle right and i think learning how to one take rejection Mm -hmm. two handle failure and three move past it adulting like if if you fundamentally cannot do that, you will never progress as an adult. Right, right. And I think, you know, we were talking before this about Harvard, about how there's just so many like privileged people. And it's like, man, it, they are made of glass. These people, they have no resiliency. They have no grit. And grit is the thing that creates successful people. It's not your dad's money. Like, but because like these people don't define success the way maybe you or I do. Like we define it as grit and like internal happiness and rest they define it as money right all you want to be a stripper be a drug dealer money in america is not hard to come by it really isn't if that's all you're after and then they get it we're going to be like i'm emotionally bankrupt though and like and they don't understand why and then comes the the opioid psychosis right 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 right. and then the 08 crash yeah no it's all it's all yeah no it's all a cycle but just this has been the most wonderful conversation the most impactful insightful conversation i look forward to your next video i know me and the rest in the stalandratron how do we say that shalantarash yes 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 yes. (laughs) i'm a card card member all my friends are we love you Thank you so much. Thank you so much for making the time for this. Thank you so much. And like, this was wonderful for me to talk to somebody from like my own constituency, you know, college girls and just see how smart you guys are. Not just you guys, you specifically, Audrey. So this is like such a breath of fresh air and like of all the people I worry about, I'm like, oh man, I just want them to do well. Like, I'm never going to worry about you. Like you've got such a head on your shoulders. And like I said, you don't have to go to law school if you don't want to. It's your right, path. Right. Don't, don't let path. my mom, don't let my mom hear that. <laughs> but thank you so much. Thank you. This was wonderful. Oh.